Na, wie, wie machst du deinen Kaffee? Mit Zucker? Milch? Ich mag meinen Kaffee mit, äh, mit Milch, ohne Zucker. Und mit Sachen Keks? Nee, Keks lieber nicht. Warum? Ich mir sehr fehlen von den ganzen Kalorien da. <lacht> Zu viel Zucker? Zu viel Zucker, ja. Yeah, I hope you didn't understand the word we were saying. Imagine arriving in a foreign country at the age of 16, in a country where German is the language and hardly any English is understood. I've got a very, very important guest with me today. A guy who is from Durban but moved to, to Germany at the age of 16 to play or to pursue a career in football. Um, and he ended up staying for about 18 years. And then in between he played for, for Bafana. He was called back to South Africa to represent the country 76 times. I want to welcome and introduce to you today Delron Buckley. Hi, Holger. So he can speak English. But... Uh, How long did it take you to, to learn German? Well, to be honest with you, it took me at least, I think, two years because, you know, the German language is very difficult to learn. You have your die, die, das. <laughs> and you got to put those things in all, all the perfect sentences so the Germans understand that properly. So it was quite difficult. <laughs> so, my, so my kids who go to the German school with your kids still battle with that. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Up till today, I still battle. When yeah. I speak to my wife and I use sentences, and I don't, I don't put that right word that that D dear does in yeah. the right order. Then uh, she always um, tells me, "No, it's wrong. You've got to do it like this and put it like that." And like, <laughs> but long as you understand, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it's much easier in in English where there's only the only the yeah, yeah. the table, the ball. Everything is there. In Germany, you got to decide yeah. whether it's male or female, female. or. or The child tends, yeah. Um, but it must have been a shock to your system getting to a land, the land of, for us, the land, the motherland of beer, for you, the motherland of football. Yes, it was a really shock to me. I mean, come a Durban boy coming from Durban, 35 degrees. Well know. tanned. Yeah, I got, the <laughs> <laughs> I got the beach, jump onto a plane, then you fly all the way to Düsseldorf, and you jump out of the plane. It's about minus five, minus ten degrees. So it was the first time I ever experienced so, so, so much, so much cold, which actually got a, I got a shock. I got a state shock. <laughs> but but now you, I mean, you're quite fluent. You you married to Ella. You got three beautiful kids that. Thank you. Obviously, we know, we know as a family, and uh, they attend the same school as our kids. So. You've acclimatized and you've, you've, I mean, 18 years in a, in a country like Germany, you, you, you become to think and, and act like a German or not? Yes, well, it's quite funny because, as you said, I was there for 18 years and I've written also my, my own biography book, which has been published on the 3rd of May. Mm. It's been out already, you can, get, you can buy it in all of the shops, exclusive bookshops. And in my book, I say that um, when, I first, when I first went over, It was hard because I was, I was homesick. I couldn't speak mm. the language. Uh, it was cold. At that time, Germany wasn't, wasn't a cosmopolitan country. Mm. No one spoke English. It's But amazing. if you go today to Germany, everyone's speaking yeah. English. It's unbelievable. But as I'm saying, it's so funny because now it's my first home. I, I'm a German citizen. <laughs> I speak German fluently. I have a German wife. My kids are all born in Germany. Yeah. 
So whenever I tell my wife, come, let's go, back, let's go back to Germany because I feel so comfortable back in Germany. She's like, nah, let's stay here in South Africa. <laughs> well, I, I, I tried that. I mean, we, I grew up in a home where we spoke German, but uh, my family's been here for five generations. Wow. Um, and after university, I went to Germany because I, I wanted to see and work there. And I said, I'm staying there as long as, until I feel at home there. And it was about a year and I thought I could live there. And I understand, I'm beginning to understand the people. But I think even as German South Africans, we probably feel more at home, uh, home in the UK than, than in Germany. In Germany. <laughs> I think it's because uh, in Germany you have your 10 months of, of winter. Yeah. And the kids don't have that freedom to play outside. And you hardly get people coming to visit you because it's so cold. Yeah. But yeah, in Africa, you know, it's like a family. I mean, the weather is always nice. It's, yeah. it's 10 months a year or 11 months a year, uh, which is which is the sun is nice. You've got nice sun, you've got your beach. So all yeah. the families get together. So, yes, for kids to grow up in South Africa, it's like paradise. It's paradise, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And you went to, to ply your craft, I would suppose. I mean, in, in Germany, they're very strict about things like doing your trade and being an artisan. Um, is it the same with football? Did you have to, or was it you just get on the pitch and play, or do you have to, is there like... No, you, know? you have to go through the stages of being, uh, when we, actually when I went, I went into development okay. for about a year, and then from the youth and development, I got a, I got a breakthrough into the professionals, which okay. was a coincidence, you know, because there was a few players that were injured, and the coach at the time had, had took me, from the second team and put me into the first team, threw me, threw me in cold water. And then I showed him what, what, what I'm made of, what I can do for the team. Mm. And then from that day onwards, my first game, my first debut, I played for them, is when I became a regular. I was at the first team with the age of 17. Okay. And uh, from there was just history. And that, that was, I mean, the proper league then? The proper league, the proper Bundesliga. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how many other South Africans played there? It was well, there a crocodile was guy, wasn't there? Dundee? Crocodile, yeah. <laughs> Sean, Dundee, Sean Dundee, yes. Sean Dundee. Yeah. Sean was there. He did very well. I think when he was, was the highest goal scorer. I think it was 90, 96, 97, okay. I think, is when Sean came. And he put on a good performance at Karlsruhe. That's how Karlsruhe, they were buzzing. They yeah. had such a good team there. Thomas, Thomas Hessler, Oliver Kahn in goal, yeah. Sean Dundee. So they had a good team. And Sean, what, he was the highest goal scorer at that, I remember that season. Yeah. Yet nobody knows him Yeah, I mean, at least. Well, I don't know where he is. I, I heard uh, he was last year in Durban when I asked around because I would like yeah. to see him. And then yeah. they said he's gone back to Germany. Okay. And then I asked a friend in Karlsruhe, like, where's Sean Dundee? He said, no, yeah, he has his own soccer academy in Karlsruhe. Okay. So I think he has a soccer academy. But he's a South African, eh? He's South African. Yeah, he's both. Okay. Both citizenship. Okay. And other South Africans that you... Then... There was Steven Pinard that played with me at Borussia Dortmund, but he was there for, the, for one year and then went to Everton. And okay. then you had Sipo Siso Zuma. He played for Bielefeld. He was there for three years and then came back to South Africa. So there in that was, time you couldn't learn German, eh? Nah, I don't, <laughs> think he, I don't think he wanted to learn. And then you had Rowan Fernandes. He was the Kaiser Chiefs goalkeeper back in the days. And he played for Bielefeld. He was there, also there for three years and then came back, yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, Bradley Cornell. Bradley Cornell was seven years in Germany. He played for Karlsruhe, he played for Stuttgart, and he played for Gladbach. Yeah, seven years. Now he's, he's assistant coach by the Red Bulls in New York. 
Yeah, okay. can you believe it? <laughs> and we did our coaching license together in Germany. Okay. Our UEFA B license. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, as a as a as a lighty in in Germany, was it was it? I mean, they, is there proper money involved? Were you able to survive? Um, obviously, you wouldn't go if it wasn't for the money, but. Well, the hard wind going about me being at, at Vorfeld Bochum at the time was the first club I signed at. Mm. As they put me with a German family okay. and I lived with them for about, about a year. And they would they paid this German family at the time. I think it was about a thousand Deutschmarks at the it time. It wasn't a lot yeah. of money. It wasn't a lot of money. Uh-uh. And uh, I used to get, um, well, they should call it travel allowance. They used to give me about 400 Deutschmarks that mm-hmm. I could travel back and forth to training. Yeah, that's I what I earned at my first job in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I had to buy my own ticket to travel. I had to take two buses and two trains to get to Bochum just okay. to train. And then there would be a, like, um, a guy that would drive the bus, would pick up all the players there after mm-hmm. training and bring them back home. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and did you? But I mean, was it a lucrative business in in the beginning, or was it purely to to build on? Well, they knew that I was a very talented player, yeah. you know, because the first training session that which I trained with them, they saw this. I was extraordinary. Mm. They never seen a player that can dribble five players <laughs> at one time and score. So I was very extraordinary. That's why they they went all out to try and keep me at Bochum. They gave me a five-year contract. They put me into a German family. They couldn't speak English. So the communication was hands and feet for for one year. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they invested a lot of money through me, which paid out on the long run because I was at Bochum for nine years. For nine years. Wow. For nine years, I stayed with them. Yeah. And it paid out. Okay. Yeah. So I think the money they invested in me. Eventually, got, Eventually they got back. Yeah. yeah, and how, do, how does the Bundesliga work? As I, I mean, I did read your book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's you said in the book that it's mainly owned by the fans. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a big capitalists that own the clubs. Or I mean, who, how does that whole setup work, for example, at Bochum? Well, at Bochum... Um, it's it's mostly owned by the fans. I mean, the fans run the whole show. The fans okay. don't come to the grounds. They don't come to watch the games. There's no no in, no money coming in, so the club won't generate. Yeah, but who so owns the club? Is it a, is it a, the municipality or is it a is it a pro club? It's a pro club. I don't. It doesn't belong to any specific person. Okay. You know, I, I think it belongs to. Um, to to the Bochum city. Okay. And then they have people on board running the whole club. Yeah. Not like Borussia Dortmund, where the where the club belongs to someone, okay. it belongs to I don't know whoever whoever founded the club, yeah. and then you have all your big sponsors coming in and pumping the money. Okay, yeah, okay. So that's how it works. But mostly teams like Borussia Dortmund, Bielefeld, they're underdog teams, so they're dependent yeah. on the fans. Yeah, they depend that the fans come in and always week in week out watch games. You know, bringing that that money just to. Get the club generated. Yeah. What What interests me is, I mean, as a, as a young player, did you have a manager, or how did you manage your your career or your income? And I'm I'm not asking specifically yeah. about your. Sorry yeah. for harping on the money. I'm just trying to understand the business side of of a of a soccer player or a footballer. Well, when I went overseas, it was in '94 and went to Germany. At the time, 
uh, this agency wasn't so yeah. big. Okay. You didn't have many agents running around. You're trying to grab players. Yeah. And I was very lucky because uh, Gordon Ingerson, he was the Bafana coach yeah. at the World Cup 2010 in South Africa. And he was the one that took me overseas, took me to Germany. And uh, of course, he, he made he made money out of it. I think he, when, when I signed at, at, at Bochum, he got 350,000 Deutschmarks. For wow. Me. Yeah, three hundred and fifty thousand. Three hundred fifty thousand okay. Deutschmarks. Yeah, that was the buy close. Okay, and that money, some of that money, supposed to go to my grandfather's team, which I played yeah. before I went to Germany. Yeah. I played for my grandfather's team, but my grandfather didn't see a cent from that. Of course, from that money. And uh, yeah, I mean, today's football is it's 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 been it's so advanced, you yeah. know. It's so it's been so dramatic that. Even a 14-year-old or even a 12-year-old boy yeah. has an agent because really? you cannot, uh, you cannot uh, play in this business I mean, or, or put your life in this business without an agent. You okay. can't sit opposite to, your, to, the, the, to the, comp, I mean, the club that's going to buy you mm. and try and negotiate. It doesn't work. It's always good to have a third man in because you know, if there's any problems, they can't point fingers at you. Mm. Agent. So it's really... I mean, it's like selling a house. You need a conveyancer. Yeah, but it's gone so extreme because every Tom, Nick and Harry is an agent. Ah, uh, okay. Because <laughs> it's easy making money. Yeah. If you find a good player that's really talented. Yeah. And then all you have to do is just make the contacts and then try and bring the player to the club. So is it like an employment agency nearly? Where, yeah, I mean, an employment agency typically takes... A, takes 10% of, of the four, contract, yeah, depending how many years you sign. If okay. you have a three years or four years, and if you earn in that four years two million, you get 10% of the two million okay. once off. That's how it works. And, and when they speak of the transfer money, like these big players where, where there's huge numbers thrown around, is that being paid to the, the previous club then? Or how does it work? That works when, when the transfer money is, for example, when a player, just say when a player goes from, like the player from Pogba uh, went from Juventus to Manchester United, I think it was 100 million pounds. Yeah. So what happens? That 100 million goes to the club, Juventus. Mm. But now I don't know if the agent had a deal with Juventus that if he gets sold for 100 million, then they take 10% yeah. from the 100 million. But the player doesn't get anything of that. The probably, the, probably the player does if oh, okay. the, the agent's clever enough to negotiate with Juventus where he mm. was to say, look, okay, if 100 million's coming in, mm. you know, you're going to give me five and then my, my player's going to get five. Okay. That's how it works. And what does the club use the money for? By, by different players? Well, the, the 100 million, they buy, yeah, they get more players, buy more players or they do renovations in the stadiums. Okay. You know, all kinds of stuff, yeah. It's just, uh, I can't really put my head around it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just at this moment. I mean, at this time, is it too much money which has been flown around in football? It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And that money is obviously generated from advertising and advertising, sponsorship. Advertising, TV and rights, okay. sponsorships, everything. Yeah. yeah. Every single thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... Um, Tell us a little bit about the journey of, of writing of the book. I mean, you know that I, I did the same thing and, and as we started the journey a couple of years ago when you had your book and I was working on my beer yeah. book. <laughs> Yours was a little bit different because it had a lot more words than mine. Mine had a lot of pictures. <laughs> Talking about beer, you know, back, uh, when I was playing in Germany, there was always like a tradition that the players would sit one night before a game. Yeah. Because we had to we had to stay in a hotel, 
no matter where we where we played. Stay in the hotel, and one night before the game, the players would sit just sit at the bar mm-hmm. and drink two beers. Two beers. Two okay. beers. Yeah, they would drink Weizen. Yeah. Two beers before the game, really? and then next day the players would buzz. You cannot believe. <laughs> <laughs> they would buzz And then I used to, I mean I was young I used to sit around there And watch And I used to just drink my coke Or something yeah. But then as the years Been passed And I got older yeah. I fell into this category <laughs> Of drinking beers with them Two days before a game yeah, I mean one day before a game So what was the local brewery In Bochum? Uh, Figa Pilsner Yeah And then you had Your Weizen beer And that was All the kinds of Weizen beer That was beer. imported from Munich from, Exactly <laughs> <laughs> so Bochum is is obviously in the in the west. It's in the west, yeah, yeah. west side. In Ruhrgebiet, or Ruhrgebiet, near okay. Düsseldorf. Yeah. Get your Düsseldorf is around there. Cologne, uh, Dortmund, Duisburg, Essen. Yeah. It's all close to each other. Did, we, did you ever pick up the rivalry in the beer scene between uh, Düsseldorf Alt and the Kölner? Um, what is the Kölner beer? The the Kölsch. The Kölsch. Yeah. Yes, you would. You would get that feeling. <laughs> It was forbidden to drink that beer if you're in, C- in Cologne and yeah. drink the other beer. Yeah. You would have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even Bochum, I mean, uh, Fieger Pilsner, yeah. you know, they, 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 they delivered their beer in a radius of, I think, five, ten kilometers. Yeah. Not further. And you couldn't find it anywhere yeah, else. Anywhere else. <laughs> if you wanted the beer, you had to come into Bochum and buy the beer. Yeah. Yeah. I think now it's probably all over the show. So I, I don't think so. I think it's very traditional. It's just last week I had a, a visitor here from um, Munich. Yeah. And he said, I mean, in Munich, you know, there's millions of brands or hundreds of brands and they only drink Augustina, which they've been doing since 1392 or something. Yeah. And that's the beer they drink. <laughs> and uh, it, you couldn't in those days even find it outside of, of Munich. Obviously now it's it's... It's all over the place. It's yeah. a little bit more further distributed, but still. And uh, the the beer culture in Bochum, I mean, is there, is there a brew pub or a beer garden where you could yes, go? Yes, there's, there's many. Whew, oh, it's really? all over the show. Yeah, the Germans love their beer. There's no doubt about that. The minute the sun comes out, they're sitting in their beer gardens, got their big mugs of beer, and they're sipping it down. <laughs> yeah. And, they, they, um, and every day I know they can't wait for the Oktoberfest. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a, a, a Dorffest in Bochum? Yeah, we had a, yeah, lots of Dorffests, mm. which I enjoyed. Especially when I lived in, in Bochum Stiepel. They mm. used to have, it's called, um, they used to have like a Kermes once a yeah. year and a Dorffest. And Dorffest used to be nice because you used to meet everyone that lived around, not around you. Mm. And uh, yeah, they would sell the most delicious beer. <laughs> <laughs> and you were obviously a slave, so yeah. <laughs> or not? <laughs> but I wouldn't care. I had my one or two beers. Yeah, I had to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, let's let's talk about trying to get this yeah, book, book together. It must have been a mission. I mean, well, it was a very it was a coincidence because I never thought I'll ever write a book about my life. I'm a yeah. junior, being a professional footballer, and um, when I came back to South Africa in 2012. Uh, my my cousin is married to one of the pastor's daughters, and then we went to well to his father-in-law, uh, his church. It's somewhere down in, in Durban North or in Newlands, and I know him very well. Isn't it? I know him very well because he grew up. I grew up in front of him, mm. and uh, the one Sunday we went to church, and after church he invited us to his house, 
and then we were sitting in his house and then his wife they made all the sunday dinner and mm. then lunch and it was all delicious and we were sitting down and then i was always telling my stories you know you say oh smay bucks what happened in germany tell me and i was always telling him stories so this time he said to me you know what you know all the stories you've been telling you need to put in the book you need to mm. write in the book because it's very interesting but i have someone that can write the book for you they call him the ghost writer mm. i read a few books of his and his his quality Yeah. And then he said to me, "Can I give him your number so he can contact you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, what do you, you know? What any anything? Give him my number." Three day, two no, two days later, this guy phones me. Mine's to Brian. Yeah. And then he says, "Yeah, Bucks, I got your number from Pastor so and so. Can we meet? Can we meet up in Westfall? Westfall uh, Mall." Mm. So what happened? I drove down, met with him, and we sat there, and then he introduced himself and. We changed words, and he showed me all the books he wrote, and mm. and the latest book he was writing at the time was Chad Leclerc's book. Okay, also yeah. Devon Boy. Devon Boy, yeah, Chad Leclerc. So I'm like, I didn't even hesitate. I said, yeah, okay, where's the contract? Bring, and then I signed the contract, and then from there it took off. And I must say, it was a, uh, it was one of the best journeys I ever taken in my life okay. because <clears throat> sitting with him for seven hours, even ten hours. And talking about at a time, at a time, yeah, because he lives he lived in Pretoria mm. and I was in Durban. Okay, the only time we saw each other when he came down for probably on the weekends or school mm. holidays, and it took me three and a half years to write the book. So sure. because he would come down, come to my house, we meet up somewhere, then we would speak for about two hours, sometimes seven hours, and he'll speak about different things. Yeah, all over World, World Cup two thousand and two. Yeah. World Cup '98, you know Sydney 2000, mm. African Cup, yeah, Germany, all over the show, and it was amazing because I thought to myself, why not asking me like in, in, in like in 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 one uh, yeah. in one sequence, yeah. like when I grew up yeah. and I went overseas? No, he was all over the place. Yeah. And the one time he was sitting, I said to him, "Mine, why not asking me in like like in a sequence?" Yeah. He said to me, "The reason why, how I write books is like a piece of it's like a piece of puzzle. Yeah. I get my pieces all over the show." And then, all, and at the end of the day, when I'm finished, I put it together and okay. forms a picture. Yeah, and then I was I was very shocked when I when I got to read the book for the first time, <laughs> and then I found him. I said, "Yo, <laughs> no, I said normally I don't like to read books, yeah. but the, the book you wrote is I mean about me. Even I'm fascinated. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Because he took the time to listen. He took yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is fascinating, and for me, it, uh, like I said to you yesterday, it opened up a whole new world for us. And um, I don't know if you noticed that how many of, of I mean, of when you came back to South Africa, how many people don't know about you or your achievements? True. Isn't it true, especially <laughs> at the German school? Yeah. I mean, the, the real Germans obviously know everything about you, but uh, I mean, the the guys that follow rugby instead of soccer know very little about soccer. But, yeah. No, no, it, it is eye opener. I mean, I can see now wherever, wherever I pitch up, if I come to the German school or I come somewhere, people look at me differently now yeah. because I read my book. Yeah, they know what I've been through. Yeah, it wasn't an easy ride to be successful, and it's quite good. That's why I said um, always, you know, is writing this book is it's opened a lot of doors. Yeah, but not, but but the most important thing why I wrote this book is not because I want to open doors for myself. Yeah, it's giving people, you know, hope. Hope and, and and faith in this in, in this in this country because the way the country is, is being run now, a lot of people have dreams, mm. but they don't want to believe in their dreams because they think ah, 
this is happening, that's happening, yeah. all in negativity. You know, it shouldn't be excuses for you mm. not to fulfill your dream. And that's why I, in the book I, I try to be as honest as possible. Yeah. You know, that uh, whatever you're reading there, it's all honesty. There's no uh, any fooling around or disrespecting anyone. Mm. It's, it's an easy read. And uh, since now, all the feedback I got was, was top, was 100%. Yeah, but you also got very little to lose now, I guess. I mean, if you if you if I if I look at what uh, some of the stories about you going to the airport and the tickets on there and you have to pay for your own ticket to fly to South Africa, I mean that's just unbelievable. <laughs> well, probably yeah, maybe in one way, but that's the way the cookie crumbled. Mm. You know, we would come to the airport, they would tell us our tickets there, no tickets, and that's the reality. Yeah. That day exactly what happened. It's not something that I'm lying about. Yeah. Something happened. If it's gonna hurt anyone, then you should put the, the shoe on and, and wear it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you, you played a, a few big tournaments. You played in the World Cup and stuff. But in 2010, you weren't here. What? What? I can't remember exactly what the story was. But for me, that was the biggest eye-opener in the world yeah. because for us Durban and having the World Cup here Brenda my wife was in Joburg on the day when it on the opening day and I mean the the whole of Joburg was just a buzz the airport the Gauteng everything was new and it, it was so exciting Can you and, imagine? And, and for us in Durban sitting on the beachfront and you know just being proud to be South African and I think God just gave us an extra blessing with good weather so everybody was blown away by the amazing weather. Um, it was it was just the most unbelievable event f for me personally. I can imagine. I um, coming back, yeah, to two thousand and ten. I was I was supposed to be in the mm. in the national team at that World Cup, and I was playing in Cyprus at the time. And just uh, two months, what a month before the team was were going to meet in in Johannesburg, mm. because there was there was a a, a, a team of 40 players that were called up and they were, they were going to downsize the team until 22 because you need mm. 22 two players who play in, to be in the World Cup to be signed and just the one month before I, I got injured I tore two bands in my, in oh, my okay. ankle and uh, when they called me up I couldn't come to represent my country because I was injured even too if I came for treatment and mm. had physio and all that it still wouldn't have helped until until the, the the start of the first game, mm. so then I just said no, leave it out, and yeah, that was the case. It was very sad because I mm. really wanted to be at the 2010 World Cup in my home country the first time, and the World Cup being held yeah. in Africa. Yeah. But the good part was that when when the season was finished and the World Cup started, I got the chance to speak on TV in Germany. Okay. So I was commentating the, all the South African games, which kept me mindly mm. off. Of the negativity, which, which, which happened, yeah. I was very disappointed uh, in 2010 because I got the feeling there were very few Germans in South Africa. Was it? <laughs> I don't know. I just got the feeling that they didn't travel. They didn't come to the World Cup as as many as I expected. Well, but, I wouldn't know about that because yeah. when I was commentating the game on TV in Germany, there were a lot of Germans being interviewed when the games were happening in yeah. Durban. Yeah, it was okay. Mabida. Yeah. Right. There was even Sean Dundee was at the stadium and okay. he, I think he was doing all the interview okay. as the fans are working past yeah. in German, which was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And what, I mean, for, for a youngster who wants to start out as a sportsman now, obviously these, the different sports is, are, are very different, but, I mean, are there, what are the opportunities? There's, there's big turmoil in South Africa. I mean, if I read your book, I can see that <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a big mess. And if, if I listen to you, the plans that you had coming back here, um, being a coach or starting, you know, academies and those sort of things, it's it's very hard to do it here. Too, politici- too politicized, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that, Holger. And um, it's very difficult. That's what my, my message out to the youngsters is that, um, you know, if you have a dream, Mm. You know, work hard towards your dream and protect your dream. That's the most important thing is to protect it. Of course, you're not going to have the opportunity to probably make it out of here. But if you do have the opportunity to go overseas, mm. even to a young age. I had a mother just last week. She she asked me to, to, to speak to me because um, her son is 12 years old. He's a goalkeeper. And she asked me, is it wise for him now to go to Portugal because there's a Portugal team? In the second division at one team. Okay. Is it wise for him to go because he's still young? And my first words I said to her is that, ma'am, <laughs> you have to let him go. Mm. If you don't let him go now, he's never going to get out of here. Yeah. So he has the opportunity to leave this country, you know, for better things, yeah. better coaching. Yeah. You know, his vision and even everything will be more, more wider. So you have to let him go now before it's too late. Mm. And then she said, yeah, but he's my son, this and son, that. And I said, yeah, he's, he's probably his mom's boy. <laughs> you know, but the thing is that you can always fly then go visit him. It's not, yeah. it's not the, the biggest problem. But if you, it's his dream. Mm. His dream, he wants to be a, a professional goalkeeper. Yeah. So don't hold his dream back. Yeah. You know, let him go. But, you know, uh, be behind him. Push him. Just, and then I always say, also for the youngsters, make sure, especially for the parents, make sure that the child always has something to fall back on. Because mm. in this athletic uh, category sport, there's only... A certain amount of time mm. where you where you can perform. Yeah. For football, it's ten years. Well, if you're lucky, fifteen. But mm. in South Africa, it's probably seven. Yeah. And in that seven years, you need to make money to live for the next thirty years thereafter. Forty. Yeah. Or forty. Yeah. You understand. So that's why it's always important for these youngsters to to study and to have something to fall back on. Mm. And I mean, how do do the guys? I mean, the, I guess the top guys, but uh, you always told me that some of your colleagues earned like two, three thousand rand a month playing in Marisburg. Is that, is that? Well, it's not only Marisburg, it's now in Amazulu too. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm the assistant coach there and then players earn five thousand rand playing professional a ma- level. A month or a per month. game? A month. A month. A month. Five thousand rand, three thousand rand, seven thousand rand. Yeah. And the equivalent in Europe? Well, in Europe, in a second division, uh, a player will earn probably 15,000 euros. Okay. Yeah, 10,000 euros. Which is uh, enough to division. survive. It's enough to survive in, in Germany because yeah. Germany's not so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in Africa. But it's not enough, you never have to work again. Yeah. No, of course you're going to probably have to work there after. Yeah. 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 It's not going to see you. But the thing is that the German system runs very perfectly. Okay. You know, if you're unemployed, they, they sort you out. The medical aids and all that, there's all sorts all of sorts if you're unemployed. But here, yeah. it's, it's chaos. If you're, not, if you're unemployed, yeah, <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. It's very scary, yeah. you got to hustle. you got to hustle, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, to, to find 
your new career now? You have to do some. You've been traveling to Germany for some to do some courses on on coaching. Well, is for it, me is to it be normal, a, it is normal. Yeah, because uh, I've been to Germany two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was invited by Vorfeld Bochum. They invited the team of '97, mm-hmm. which played UEFA Cup and made it to the semi-finals back in the days. So they invited us for the last game just to be in the stadium and check it out and watch, which was nice because I got to see yeah. my old colleagues because yeah. I haven't seen him for 20 years. Wow. And it was strange because when there was a few guys that came, hey, Pax, hi, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> ah, I'm Thorsten Kracht, I'm this. Ah, okay. They look totally different. It was yeah. quite funny. And then I spoke to the manager from Vorfeld Bochum and I asked him, what qualifications do you need to train under sevens or tens or under seventeens. And he said to me, Bucks, you have to have the pro license. Pro license means it's the last license you can ever get. Yeah. It's the license which Mourinho has, which uh, uh, Klopp has. That license you need to coach development. So what I have, I have a way for B. Yeah. Yeah, I can't Could, coach anyway. You couldn't get a job there. I couldn't get a job. I have I mean, to have a pro. It seems like you also can't get a job here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's quite funny because, yeah, I'm, I'm more highly qualified than the coach at Amazulu. Yeah. Because he has, he has a cafe and I have your way for B. So it's two licenses higher than his. Okay. But I still respect him because I'm consistent and I'll act like, a, like, a, like mm. the, job, the job which I'm supposed to yeah. do. Yeah. And then uh, how long will it take you to get to that highest level? Well, uh, in September, I'll do my way for A license, which mm-hmm. is four weeks in Germany. Okay. It'll be in Bonn at the Sportschule Hennef. Mm-hmm. And then I have to wait one year. And then the following year, I'll have to apply for the pro license. But the pro license, I have to live in Germany. Okay. It's 10 months. So you go from Monday to Wednesday. Yeah. And then from Wednesday, you go back to your club to get your hours. Then you come back Monday to Wednesday for 10 months in a row. And do you get yeah. sponsored to do that? Or well, do you, you, can only get, you can only get a, the, 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 the club you are at mm-hmm. will probably pay it. Or you have to pay out of your own pocket. And I know it's about it's about twenty twenty five thousand euros mm. that course if you pay out of your pocket per month. No, or just for the, off, yeah, for the for ten months. Thing. Ten months. But then you still gotta. I mean, you still need need an income, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You have to live in Germany to be at a club where they're paying you. Mm. And then what happens? I know the clubs they pay because they get that that tax rebate. If they okay. paying it for Different. someone that's working at the club. They get that money Looking back. That's time. what they, they love to pay that course. Mm. Yeah. And opportunities to to work in Germany now would it be easier? But like you said, you don't have the right qualification to be a coach. Or no, it won't be easy. It won't be easy. I mean, I take I'm taking each step at a time. Yeah. I have my way for B now. I'm in a Mazulu coaching, and um, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And then in September, now in September. I'll do, I'll go do my UEFA A license, mm. and if I pass that, I'll have UEFA A license. Okay. And then I'm, I'm more highly qualified. Yeah, yeah. And then who knows? Maybe something will come, come out of the blue. Yeah. And say, okay, you want you want Mr. Buckley to come coach us in the PSL, or who knows? Or maybe yeah. even Germany. Yeah. So yeah. what is it involved now with Amazulu? Is it a full time? I mean, how many days a week? Is f- no, it's a full time job. It's every single day. Mm. I'm there from the mornings from. Okay. Uh, we start training at half past nine until till twelve. Okay. So I'm there full time. I'm there with the first team and second team. And uh, who's promoting your book? Is it uh, is it Mayan doing that, or have you got an agency, or is it just with your speaking gigs and all that? Well, actually, uh, through Mayan's experiences through Chad Lecrae's book, which has been 
um, well promoted last season. He had very bad experiences. That's why he said, with my book, he's going to do it himself. Mm. And it's been really good because there's no one to hold him back and say, no, you can't do this and can't do that. Mm. So he has the full right, so do I. Okay. So now, since the book has been launched on a, uh, since 3rd of May, I've been to the Robert Marawa show, Dan Nichols show, I've been on uh, uh, Radio Metro, okay. East Coast Radio, uh, 5FM, Radio 5FM, F, FAFM. Okay. And now on Holger's show. On Holger's show. <laughs> yeah, I've been to many shows. I even been to Tux University yeah. last week. I spoke to the soccer coaches of the academy and the, and the, the players. And then I spoke to all the, the Tux students mm. at the library, which they were blown out of my, my testimony and my story, mm. which I told them. And then I spoke to also the, all the teachers. And then I spoke to uh, two churches in Johannesburg, one in, one in Pretoria, and yeah, no, two in Pretoria, and there was and there's one church I spoke to was in Benoni, Afrikaans church. Mm -hmm. It was my first ever Afrikaans church I've <laughs> I've spoken to, but it was it was quite cool because I was first of all I was nervous, you know, coming mm. to Afrikaans church as a footballer, you know, mm. giving my testimony. What 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 are they going to think? Mm. But it's, it's amazing how God works in mysterious ways. Because thereafter, when I was finished there, Afrikaans women came to me. There was two Afrikaans women that came to me. One came to me and said to me, Mr. Buckley, your testimony is so strong. Because I had a son that was a football fanatic. He loved football. And he was 14 years old. And then I asked her, yes, where is he? He said, no, he committed suicide last year. Yeah. Mm. That's why I know when I, when I told him about my book, mm. about all the things in my book, she said to me, I know what you went through. And then there was another woman that came to me with a son and said to me, I'm so glad that I came tonight to listen to your testimony. Mm. Because what you said, you didn't grow up with a father, but there was no excuse for you not to have success. Mm. Now my son got to hear yeah, exactly from the horse's mouth mm. because he never grew up with a father. The father, he ducked before he was born. Yeah, and now my son can see there's a guy there that's made it big time. Exactly. And he can make it. There's no yeah. excuses. Yeah. So for me, that was more than success. You know, <laughs> coming to Afrikaans church yeah. and opening two people's um, minds, visions. And uh, do you speak Afrikaans? No, I didn't English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't English. That's why I was very scared because Afrikaans church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but mine speaks Afrikaans fluently. Yeah, He's the okay. first Indian guy that speaks Afrikaans fluently. Can you imagine? From <laughs> Durban. God, not, nobody from Durban can speak Afrikaans. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's the guy. Okay. He's the guy, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and just tell us again where they can order the, the book. Is it, It's on your website? Yes, you can, you can purchase the book on www.dalronb.com. So it's www.dalronb.com. Dalron with an E, not with an A. With an E, not an A, yeah. <laughs> But you can you can also purchase the book in every uh, exclusive bookshop okay. all over at the airports, Gateway, Pavilion, Marisburg, mm. all over. Um, Schlanga, Balito, the book will be there. And uh, I mean, I can remember I was in Cape Town and I walked into exclusive books and I saw my book there for the first time first in, time, in, a, in, a, in a bookshop and it was super exciting. I haven't sold many through exclusive books, mainly direct sales but it is exciting yeah. to, to see your book on a, on a shelf no, the, the, the good thing which we did because we we sold much books before because yeah. exclusive books approached us we didn't approach them yeah. 
we didn't need them. Yeah. You understand? But we we sold at least I think 200 books in one month. Yeah. And then now they came to us and say, look, hey, we want those books. <laughs> so we made a deal with them, which they get 50% of the sale mm. price. So yeah, it's not great, but it's yeah, it's not great. It's, <laughs> it's, it's getting the book out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I mean for you, it's obviously not not about the money of the book. It's more about getting the message out. Getting the message out. And yeah. and how many books did you print? We printed two thousand five hundred. Okay. Yeah. But if they get sold in the next three months, we can still print more. So it's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. thanks for taking the time to chat to me. And anytime, Morgan. Anytime. And uh, I'm super excited, and it was really nice reading the book. And yeah, I want to encourage the listeners to go and grab a book, Delron B for Buckley. dot com, and obviously at exclusive books. Please, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. No, you, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll see you on the pitch somewhere, hey? Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? With the blows. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Daron. Thanks for taking the time to chat to us. Thanks, Olga. Okay. Enjoy your day.